everyone, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk with Dr. M. Henderson. And what I really liked about Dr. Henderson's book was that she didn't allow um, the possibilities of what could happen, you know, what about here, what if it's not good enough, did not allow that to stop her. And I think that that has opened also a creative path for her book. You know, you'll you'll see more details of it, but uh, for me, the book was original. It was thought provoking, and I know that if you hadn't you know, given yourself the chance to explore ideas that are unique for you, then you might not create something that could be unique for other readers. And so I really like that Dr. Henderson leans into that, leans into the real inspiration that sparks you personally and following a story, a story that really excites you because that's going to excite your readers. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right. Welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. M. Henderson the author of seven children's books, as well as your new sci-fi novel, Remanded. Welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Definitely. I'm really excited to hear about your book. Um, you know, based on what you told me before, I'm like, oh, this is very different. And I think it's very cool. Um, Thank you. So let me do a little bit of an introduction for you. But you know what? I mean, you have such an interesting background. I love everything that you have. Can you tell us in your words? I feel like I'm not going to do it justice here. Tell us about yourself. Okay, so um, I am a military veteran. I served for um, like four years out of high school. Uh, it was an awesome experience. Loved serving my country and really getting to see the world as a young adult. Um, traveled to like eight different countries so far in my life. Um, I have a background in education. Um, that's where I've spent most of my time over 16 years as a teacher, as a principal, as a business owner of a tutoring company. Um, I was also a principal, not only in the United States, but in China as well. Um, and then that's how I kind of got interested in publishing books. So I've published seven children's books, um, and I have a few adult uh, books that I'm publishing. One uh, that we're going to talk about today that I'm super excited about, um, and it's called Remanded. So, um, And it does have adult content in that, so just fair warning on that. 
Okay, yeah, no worries. All right, well, I'll make sure to put a little bit of a warning at the, the, the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That sounds really great. You're very prolific. You have um, an extensive background, which is so cool, because I'm sure that contributes to your knowledge of, you know, your backstory and your books, what you contribute. Because, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you might write about something you're not sure about it, but mm-hmm. you have to go research it. Uh, right. With your background, I'm like, okay. We know they're awesome. All right, let's put it in the fiction novel. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, I and I still do my research quite a bit when I'm writing. And I kind of didn't talk about my like academic background, but I do have um, my bachelor's in economics from UNF. Um, and then I won't give the year because I'm kind of I'm a I'm a middle aged woman. I'm a mature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do have my MBA as well, and then I have my PhD in educational leadership. So that's why I put Dr. Henderson on my uh, books because I've earned that title. Dang, yeah, you did. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Actually, when I uh, first saw you know your title, I was like, oh, what kind of doctor? That's awesome. You know, because it's that we. We've only had one other doctor, I believe, on the show so far. So it's always, I love it, you know, because uh, I think sometimes we have um, people on the show mm-hmm. and they have entirely different lives, doctors, lawyers, nurses. Um, and I think there's a stigma of like, well, you know, they're, they're uh, not creative because mm-hmm. it's, it's like, no, look at these people go. You know, right. it's so yeah. interesting that you say that, because when I was a principal was the first time when someone, one of my coworkers said you were so creative and I didn't accept it because I thought of creative people like our art therapists who could take a brown paper bag and make a tree on the wall. You know, what I mean, that's what I consider creative. But once I really kept hearing you're so creative and I accepted it, that's when like the the juices started flowing and I really started like you know, you have to accept, like, this is who you are in order to allow it. And that's kind of what happened to me. And so for a long time, I didn't accept that I was creative. But also what I love about writing is that it's still part of education, the books. And, you know, I mean, I have to do research in order to find out about this culture that I'm writing about or whatever. So it's very still educational for me. So that's why it aligns with my background. And then also, and we'll probably get into it a little bit, but just a preview with Remanded, um, one of the things that I talk about is like how we want justice to be blind, but it's really not blind. But in my story, like I make justice blind. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Let's mm-hmm. let's go ahead and dive in. Your your story, your premise, it's mm-hmm. super interesting. I haven't heard anything of it, you know, really um, as of recently. So like, tell us all about uh-huh. Remanded. Okay, so Remanded is set in 2117, and so it's in the future. And um, like I said, I really, I, I'm into, like, listen to a lot of crime. A lot of Americans are, you know, crime stories and that kind of thing. And I was mm-hmm. just um, thinking about, I was listening to a podcast, and I was thinking about how um, the forensic science of it all has just advanced so much that we can, you know, solve crimes with DNA and all that. And I just thought about what the future of crime uh, forensic science looks like. And I thought about our judicial system and it hasn't, in my opinion, it hasn't evolved the same way that forensic technology has, um, especially the rehabilitation part. I think, you know, as a country, you know, our criminals don't come out much better than when they went in. And then they have a record now, so they, you know, struggle to get a job and, you know, struggle to get housing. And, you know, it's just not set up for 
criminals to really serve their time. And, and I am talking about remanded in this because when the criminals serve their time, they don't have to put that they're a criminal on their record anymore. Like they serve their time. It's over. So mm-hmm. to tell you about remanded, like I said, it's set in the future. And basically um, there's a lot of, technology tools, especially satellites and cameras to help the police solve crimes. So it's really hard to get away from crime. So you'll find like in my book, people get um, jail time, quote unquote, not really jail time. I'll explain that in a minute. But they get jail time for um, just like a hate crime for a, a racial slur. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. a racial slur is considered a hate crime. And you'll see that one of the characters gets time for that. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. acceptable anymore. Um, yeah. So even like the smallest crime, body shaming, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Uh, we don't get away with that in the future. We, you know, it's a criminal offense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and in remanded, there's no jails or prisons. So if someone um, is, if someone could commits a crime, um, there's, pretty much video evidence that they committed that crime and then the virtual uh, jury uh, votes on what their crime what their um, punishment for should be for serving that time so it's not like they have to agree on innocent or guilty instead they agree on what's a reasonable amount of time and oh i and i also wanted to mention that that future that virtual jury they don't have any information besides the crime. They don't know if the person is male or female. They don't know what ethnicity that person is. They don't know their age, if they're married. You know, there's, it's, they're just voting about the crime. So in that sense, I wanted to make justice blind. Yeah. And so, um, so let's say the jury votes and so the jury's just voting on, you know, what's a fair amount of time for that crime. And then they take that average number and that's what the criminal is punished with. And instead of going to jail for, let's say, five years, they actually go inside this chamber and they serve their time within minutes. So this this chamber has the technology and ability to extract the life from that person. So let's say if that person goes in 25 and they were sentenced to five years, they come out 30 years old in just a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so this person, uh, the criminal, mm-hmm. wouldn't even go into like um, uh, a room for the jury to see them. Nothing like that. They just no. Wow. So it's it's kind of, and and you know really with you know how we went to this massive virtual thing with COVID going on. Um, that's kind of how the idea came up because we started doing everything virtually, right? So I was yeah. like, well, what if there was a jury that, you know, received a report about this crime that, you know, they have a jury duty as, as usual, but they received this information about the crime that was committed, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what evidence that what ev- evidence supports that this person committed this crime, but they have no details about the person. They don't know what the ethnicity of that person, what the gender of that person is. They don't know their name. They don't know anything about that person. So there's no bias um, when they're making their decision as far as how, how long they should serve for that crime. Wow. Okay, <laughs> cool. Cool. So can you tell us about your main characters? I know you mentioned before that there was a romance story, that there's several characters. So what, what are your characters like? Okay, so um, there is, uh, my book is set up where there is a, 
a couple, um, William and Monica, Mm -hmm. and it kind of follows them meeting in high school all the way through their entire lives. And it follows their romance, the ups and downs and challenges of their romance, and also living in this world where it's 2117 and they're just like um, talking about, for example, cold case is is a term that's no longer used anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cold case uh, is, and you know, they, and they talk about, and they do end up getting into some trouble and they do end up, you know, kind of maybe serving some time uh, in the chamber. And, um, and so it follows their lives. And the other chapters are about various criminals that have done something um, and had to serve time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the characters, um, it's interesting. I kind of address and this is probably something that we need to talk about. I'll probably address, um, well, what happens if someone gets sentenced, like their sentence is longer than their, than they were actually supposed to live. So one of the characters that happens, um, he's sentenced to, um, I believe it's like eight years or something like that. But he was, if he had not served time, he would have actually died in six because of a disease or, you know, something like that. So what happens oh. to the character if, you know, what happens if you're sentenced to 10 years, but you were really supposed to die in five in a car accident? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, and wow. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil the answer, but, you know, that yeah. because this chamber is technology, it's man-made, and it has no idea, like, what your life expectancy is. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, I would love to do a little bit of a pivot. So you, okay. you write in seven children's books, right? Mm-hmm. And then you decide to, to pivot and create a science fiction crime novel, right? So mm-hmm. what was the shift? What, why did you feel like, okay, I'm going to go in this direction now? Well, um, that's a wonderful question. Um, I didn't really intend to write seven children's books, but Things, ideas just kept coming to me, and I kept uh, and and the premise really behind my children's books is this: I wanted again to educate. That's my background, but I wanted um, kids to learn lessons early that I learned in my middle age, and that's pretty pretty much the purpose for my books. Like one of them, for example, is called "But What If I Fail?" You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I wanted the lessons for each of my children's books is to teach them something that I don't want them to get to the middle of their lives and learn. I would rather they learn in an elementary school. And so when I kind of exhausted my ideas for that, then I was just like, Ooh, I've got a really cool idea for this, but this is definitely adult. Let me switch and, and, and publish this. Um, I have another one of my children's books about, um, I have dyslexia and, um, mm-hmm. And growing up with that and what that was like. And that's probably one of my most popular children's books because our children have different learning differences. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some have ADHD. I actually had uh, um, uh, someone buy one of my books and she literally thanked me for writing that book because her daughter had recently been um, diagnosed with ADHD. So, I mean, to have someone who, you know, is, a customer and buys your book, but also turns around and thanks you for writing it. It meant the world to me. That was a great day. <laughs> um, I love that. You know, that's, I think that's really cool. So, so you're going through your children's books and then is it that you run out of ideas? And you're like, oh, I have a sci-fi novel. Cause they're very different. You know, very, <laughs> one's very serious. Another one's like, yeah. you know, it's very light. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much like how it happened. I kind of exhausted my like life lessons that I wanted to teach the children. <laughs> and then, um, and then, you know, I got these other ideas for these adult books and I was like, okay, I want to pursue those. And so let me fo- switch my focus to that. Um, and that's, that's, but I, I think again that like we discussed earlier, when you accept the fact that you're creative, and you allow that, then ideas just start flowing. And, you know, sometimes it's even hard to stop them. And I can't just be like, well, I'm a children's book author. So this sci-fi idea is not going to work. You know what I mean? I'm I'm so excited about it. I welcomed it. I allowed it. And now it's, you know, out there for, for you all to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I like that you're hitting on that, which is that, you know, when you accept that you're a creative you know, that can open so many doors. But like, I'm a creative, but I'm going to create in different ways that I want to. Yeah. yeah. Or that I need to. So yeah. tell us about your, your writing process. So I'm assuming that the writing process is different for your children's books than for Remanded. Can you walk us through the, the differences and how you go about it? Okay. So um, for my children's books, um, I really, like I said before, my my method was like, Okay, here's a lesson. For example, one of my other children's books that is very popular, probably the bestseller, is called Yuck, My Frog Didn't Change. Um, and it's about a little princess girl who kisses these three frog boys and they don't change. But the idea for that book was like I was looking at not only my life but other women that I know that were spending so much time, like, trying to change their mate. You know what I mean? And um, And at the same time, they weren't – pursuing their dreams they were using a lot of energy on trying to change someone rather than pursuing their dreams and I was like I've got to write this because I wanted young little boys and girls to know that like you can't change people you know what I'm saying not like oh I want you to change so you're you know I mean so I'm gonna try to change you now you can radiate your energy where they want to change but you can't spend your I just didn't want kids to spend you know 10 20 years trying to change somebody when you should be spending that energy on yourself right and changing yourself so I'll get for so for my children's books I get these ideas and I'm just like okay I gotta write this and that's you know that book is probably my bestseller a lot of people like that one um and and then I just I focus on communicating that story and that's where the educator part comes in for me. Um, so how do I communicate that to a child so that they get the message? And then the focus is just on um, what do I want the illustrations to look like? And I pretty much hire an artist to do my illustrations. Um, I only did illustrations in one of my children's books, but you know I'm not like my favorite artist, <laughs> but I love, I love figuring out what the cover is going to look like and what do I want the illustration to look like and communicating that to an artist that I've hired and have them do it. So that's kind of like the process for my children's books. It's big on getting this huge message to be understood by an eight-year-old, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then having beautiful illustrations that communicate um that story and what that looks like. And then for my adult books, um, for my adult fiction books, it definitely starts with like a concept and then an outline. So I write an outline first of like, okay, this is what I want to happen in that story. Um, And then I get as specific as I can with the outline. Like, okay, so this is what I need the audience to know in this chapter. You know what I'm saying? So I'll put bullet points 
I'll break it, you know, I'll outline the chapters and then I'll put bullet points of like what I need to reveal to the audience at this chapter and what I want to reveal later or where the backstory is going to come in and all those kind of things. Um, so with adult books is very, each chapter needs to have a purpose. You don't want to have, you know, and you don't want to have a chapter in there for just frills. You know, every chapter is purposeful. So what do you want the audience to know and when do you want them to know it? Those are the type of questions that I ask myself when I'm writing adult fiction books. And I basically outline it and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to happen. And then I take one chapter at a time and I think about what I want to happen and then I kind of mill it over. Maybe I'll take a walk on the beach or, you know, saying things that I like to do. Um, and I'll just kind of be like, okay, what is this going to look like? you know, when this happens. And that's how the story starts to come. And then um, a lot of times I'll be typing it out and I'm like, and I'm just following, you know, this kind of outline that I've drawn for myself in my mind as far as how the story is going to go. And then sometimes things happen that surprise me as I'm writing and I'm just like, oh, I should put that in there. Um, for example, in Romanda, there's this one part that something happens to the character Monica um, and it was such a surprise to me as I was writing it. And then um, I, um, after I finished it and I published it, I hired a voiceover to record it for me. And she was like, my jaw literally dropped when I read that part. <laughs> and I was like, mine did too when it came to me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So those kind of exciting things happen in the process of writing. And story development is one of the things that I love about writing. Yeah. I also love, I love story development. I can get a little bit too, like too far into the weeds. <laughs> yeah. I like keep developing story and I won't stop. Like I probably should start writing at this point, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so you, you do your writing process and then uh, your book, is it independently published? Yes, it is. All awesome. of my books are. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us oh, what the process was like for you? Cause some people, they have certain types of editors. Um, they already can edit the book themselves, uh, cover design, um, mm-hmm. launch. You, know, you want to share with us your process? Sure. So um, my process is basically like once I'm, let's see, once I'm done writing the book and I just, and I have my rough draft, I get it to a professional editor. <laughs> like, especially with my title, I can't have anything out there with my name on it with like misspelled words and all that kind of stuff. So the <laughs> editing process is very important. Um, so I have a professional editor um, that edits it for me. And then I um, hire someone to do my book cover. Profe- I have my book cover professionally done um, and just doing a lot of research about authors and that kind of thing. Um, that's one of the most important, you know, we always use the term, don't judge a book by its cover, but everybody does. you got to have a beautiful cover, you know? Um, so and, true. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's plenty of articles and information out there about how important that book cover is. So I always have my book covers professionally done. Um, and then for my children's books, especially any illustrations um, that I want in my books are always done to the highest standard that I can possibly get it done. So I have a, you know, I have a team of people that I continue to go back to for my book covers and um, editing and that kind of thing. I have a a little team to make sure that my self-published books are, you know, to a high quality standard. 
And that's so important because I feel like um, independent publishing has grown so much mm-hmm. and it, it still continues to get like a bad rap because there are authors out there who, you know, they really don't put any thought into it. They might like do an artificial intelligence content. They might just slap together some blank pages and they're like, all right, there you go. I'm published. Um, you know, and it's so important to, to hone into the audiences like, you know, this is your art. You're going back to you accept mm-hmm. yourself as an artist and treating it highly and be like, you know, as best as you can, you know, like, an editor, a couple editors, book cover designer, you know, things that you mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable doing, um, mm-hmm. having professionals help get your vision along. So Absolutely. I always, yeah, I love always hearing other people like how they, how they approach there because everyone's a little bit different, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and what you're saying is so important. Sometimes people, and, and I, you know, a lot of it has to do with our society now and getting likes and getting followers and, some people are just hung up on the term like I'm published. But when you look at their cover, I was like, you know, I've looked at some covers where I was like, you shouldn't even put that out in the universe. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's honestly true. So, um, you know, it's more than just being like, oh, I'm published or I have a digital product that I, you know, you know, can put some blank pages together and, you know, and get it out there. So, like you said before, it's more about like who who you are as an artist and what you what you're putting out there. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand how I'm I'm grateful now. What I love about indie is that you can you don't have to wait on somebody to tell you yes. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be rejected 500 times before your book is out there. You know, I, I appreciate that about this time. Um, but I still feel like we have a responsibility as indie authors to still put the best quality that we possibly can forward. And that's definitely in, in editing and, you know, in the whole package presentation. 100% agree. Absolutely. Um, there's like, so much empowerment with what we can do now. And then also mm-hmm. still rising to that standard and be like, Hey, yeah, we got this. We're professionals, you know, and I think that sometimes <laughs> I guess lost amongst other people, but yeah, that's amazing. Um, before we wrap out, I would love to know uh, about your emotional process. Was there ever a time during this process that you were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, self-doubt, you know, low confidence, any hurdles like that that you might have hit? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't I didn't have any, to be honest with you. There's times when I'm tired because I do have a nine to five job, um, which a lot of indie writers do, you know, a lot of indie writers, you know, have, you have a job to pay the bills and then you have your passion and your love. So I have that. And there was, there are times when I, I will honestly say, well, what I tend to do for myself is I usually, I prefer to work for myself first. So before I go to work, I'll get up a couple of hours earlier and I'll write so that you know, I just want to feel like I'm working for myself first before I work for anybody else. And there's times when I'm just like, I guess, kind of like in the middle of a book and I'm just kind of like, is anybody going to even read this? <laughs> you know, you're making that sacrifice. But again, what drives me is just my love for it. You know, um, I I don't write. And this is another thing that kind of 
piggybacks on that question. Um, some people will be like, oh, well, what does the industry want and what does the audience want? And they write according to that. I don't do that. I, I definitely write for myself and for, you know, and I hope other people will like it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not like, oh, what's the trend in the industry? Is it robots? Okay, I'm going to write about robots. I won't do that. You know what I mean? I'm like, um, I'll get an idea. I'll get a great concept. And honestly, I'll run it across with my daughter and I'm just like, hey, I thought about this today. What do you think about a book that was like blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, she'll give me her feedback. And if I if I still feel passionate about the idea where I'm ready to invest time, then that's what I do. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, yeah, to answer your question, there are times when it gets a little hard because, it is a sacrifice to, and it is a commitment and it is a lot of time. Um, and sometimes I wonder if anybody else will read it, but my answer to myself is, um, if two people read it or if nobody reads it, like I want this book to, um, to exist. So that's what drives me. I love that. Love that. That's a great, a powerful note. I'm going to wrap up on, um, before we, you know, wrap out this recording, Dr. M. Henderson, can you tell us where people can find you and find your books? Awesome. Okay. So um, all my books are on Amazon. I publish through Amazon. So um, you'll find all of them there. And then also I, um, for my, well, for both of them, uh, my children's books, I have, um, I have a podcast called The Lazy Wordsmith. <laughs> and I, the reason why I call myself The Lazy Wordsmith is because I'm always kind of happy with the final product, but it, my word count is always shorter than what I want it to be. <laughs> I'm always disappointed with my word count, which I believe a lot of authors can relate to. Um, but um, so The Lazy Word is my podcast and I have all my children's books on the, well, not all of them, but most of them on there. Um, and I have remanded on there and e-learning on there. Nice. Okay, great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this was great. Love to hear about your yeah. process. Love to hear about your book. That's so original. It's very cool. Um, thank and again, you. Thank you for inspiring uh, the writers and our audience. I know that they're going to hear your process. And be like, okay, yeah, all right, sounds good. I can do it too. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Um, you know, it's it's the process is different for everybody. And like I said, sometimes I, when I get stuck, I go to my favorite place and walk on the beach. I think it's important for authors to kind of hear that. Like, what do you do with the writer's block? Well, maybe you step back and you do something that, you know, enjoy, get a massage or something, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, after that massage, you might be like, hey, I know what to do. <laughs> so so um, I just hope my process helps. And it's so awesome. I've had a really good time joining you today. Great. Thank you so much. And I'll try with you right after this. Appreciate uh, your time. And again, everyone, that's Dr. M. Henderson, author of seven children's books, as well as Remanded, your new sci-fi novel. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if 
you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.